Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education by Kate Colbert and Joe Salustio with contributions by Elvin Freitas is now available for pre-order on Amazon. Get your Kindle edition or your softbound book. It's going to be amazing. Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up on the Ed Up Experience podcast, where we make education your business. This is Elvin Freitas, co-founder of the Ed Up Experience, and I'm here to, uh, today with a special episode. You guys know I'm in the background most of the time. I'm not usually on the mic. I was a long time ago, so I'm a little rusty, but uh, I'm back on the microphone because this is one special for me. I am very curious about um, our guest coming up and what uh, he has to talk about uh, some new initiatives going on and where he works and his uh, thoughts on higher education. So I'm going to bring him in real quick. I don't have sound effects, unfortunately. Joe has the master uh, key sound effects machine. So I'm just going to be straightforward and get ready to go. So here we go. His name is Ian Wilhelm, and he is uh, assistant managing editor at a place you may have heard of, the Chronicle of Higher Education. How you doing, Ian? I'm good, Elvin. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Thanks for being on. I appreciate it. So let's get right into it. So um, in case someone in higher ed does not know, which it's, it would be very hard to find someone that does not know the chronicle of higher education. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do there, uh, what the organization is all about, and maybe the history and where you're going forward? Yeah, I appreciate that. And yes, occasionally you do find someone who may not have heard of us. But yeah, we've been <laughs> around for uh, over 50 years. Um, we celebrated our 50th anniversary just a couple of years ago. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, primarily starting off as really the, the only print game, only newspaper that was covering all of higher education many, many years ago, started off as a nonprofit, changed over to for-profit. Um, we uh, certainly, our bread and butter for many years was a print edition, which we still produce bi-weekly. We still have a lot of readers who still want to have that print edition in their office, in the provost's office, in the president's office, which is still great. But certainly we are at, we at chronicle.com and that's where we're mostly focusing our energies for many, for many weeks. And certainly as I do, doing more stuff virtually, doing more stuff uh, online and doing more virtual events as many people are doing, doing occasional podcasts. Um, but yeah, what we are essentially is we try to be, this is not the greatest phrase, but what I usually tell people, hey, we're the Wall Street Journal for higher education mm -hmm. without, the, without the editorial page of the Wall Street <laughs> Journal. But what we are basically is we're trying to cover higher education from top to bottom in the sense yeah. of covering both all the controversies, all the trends, all the issues we think that folks in higher ed need to know about higher ed in order to do their job better. And also, I'd say, grow in their careers, too. That's also certainly a central part of how we think. So that includes commentary pieces, opinion pieces, but also daily news articles. Again, getting back to what I probably focus on a little bit more, looking for those trend stories, looking for those pieces that are um, those conversation things that are going to help folks grow in their job, big think pieces, but also some stuff that's very specific to their role. Um, so yeah, the Chronicle has been around for a, a long time and we sort of, you know, like to think of ourselves as pretty much part of the firmament of higher education, yeah. um, for good or for bad sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta tell you a quick story that when you talk about the print edition and I've told uh, Liz McMillan this uh, a couple of times that when I was uh, way back over 20 years ago, starting my higher ed career, uh, that's one of the first things that one of the first periodicals or newspapers or whatever that 
I learned about higher education was the Chronicle of Higher Ed, the print edition, that big one. It was like a big one with a whole bunch of pages. And so exactly it went from like the president's office down to the provost. It just kept going down and down. People would put little sticky notes on it. And then you got to sure. check out this article, read this article, and then it'd get down to me, you know, like a lonely higher ed uh, first year person, like, oh, check out this article. And I was, I was doing residence life most of the time. Mm-hmm. So I, would do, I was looking at residence life articles and then job search, obviously looking for job opportunities. And then I found it to be like fantastic for professional development. It was great pieces. And then I would highlight some things. And then as I got older, I would, uh, you know, I would be the one passing it down to younger folks. And so I have a great affinity with the Chronicle of Higher Education. And I'm sure that you're getting a a whole new crowd or a a whole new group of people who are doing the same thing because uh, having that in your hands and just reading it and get it passed down around the office, just there's something about it, you know, there's just not the same as the electronic piece. What do you think about that? I appreciate that. No, uh, you know, many people have asked us when are we going to go fully digital and we're going to go fully di- digital when our audience says, hey, that's what we want primarily. Yeah. And we do find ourselves pretty, you know, pretty evenly split. I don't have the data necessarily. I haven't looked at it recently, but, you know, a lot of folks still like to pass it around. We used to have an ad campaign where you saw like a cut up version of the Chronicle because people still were cutting out articles. That's many years ago, but you know, for the most part, you're right. People still like to see it in print. Um, I don't work as much as the print edition as I used to, but I used to love that part of the process because it really felt like at the end of the week we were producing something um, that's really in some ways, um, you know, is getting back not just to what the daily news is, but looking ahead and trying to get p- people a sense of what's coming up in higher ed as much. So it felt substantive in that way. So I still love the print edition. I still love the ink on my fingers. Um, and I appreciate what you said, Elvin, as uh, it's, it's heartening to hear as a journalist, uh, as someone who, you know, came to the Chronicle as a journalist, not someone focused on education, but who has grown to really appreciate the diversity and the richness of covering higher ed, um, to hear you say that in your own career that you benefit from it. Because we certainly hear stories like that, and we want to hear stories like that, but uh, it's always refreshing to hear that because that gives our job meaning. Right. To know that the, the, it's being read, but also being read and helping people grow in what is really, uh, you know, a vital sector, as you know better than I, and frankly, in, uh, in American society, if not the world. Um, so thank you for that. Yeah. No, the print edition is probably not going away. We did go bi weekly. I'm just going to acknowledge it. We used to be weekly. We went to bi weekly because, in part, because people said it was just, you know, it was like my New Yorkers that keep on stacking yeah. up on my bedside. You don't get <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but people still very much reading it. And I think we've done a good job of, we've changed the design in recent years, which I can, again, the praises up because other people did it um and made sure they did it um but i still think we're hoping the print edition is still that vital piece of information you're going to and you may not be able to read it every day but we also have now have daily newsletters weekly newsletters so we're trying to be uh you know digital forward as well yeah yeah yeah. no no i love it and it's funny you mentioned that yeah my thumbs were all dirty from going through each one (laughs) that's good stuff so you talked about moving forward so let's talk about uh what's coming up and i'm very very curious to know and i'm sure our listeners will Let's talk about Cronfest. What is Cronfest? Yes. How did this idea come about? What's the goal? Uh, go for it, Ian. Let us know. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I like the fact that you're using the the, the terminology that the cool kids are using, the Cronfest, which we're, <laughs> we actually have a hashtag for it, which my wife will kind of jokingly refer to as hashtag Cronfest. Whenever I'm talking about work. But yeah, it's the Chronicle Festival. So we really borrowed this idea from, again, the New Yorker, the Atlantic. They have sort of festival of ideas. And we thought, well, gosh, there, it seems to be missing somewhat in higher ed, um, a larger conversation both about higher education's place in society, um, as well as perhaps, as I hope you appreciate, to have a little fun, to have a little bit of moments um, with the, the talk, because we are obviously focused on some serious issues. We are talking about some serious challenges within higher ed, especially now. Um, but this was our big push to do something virtually. So we started it last year. So like many places during the pandemic, 
uh, we embrace virtual, um, basically Zoom sessions, right? We started doing a lot more Zoom webinars. It was really embraced by our audience because it was giving them information, having some conversations that they wanted, having some uh, back and forth uh, about some vital issues. And we thought the festival would be a big way to do that. And we did it last year. We had three days of, of program, mostly half day programming. But again, uh, we've learned a lot by, by, about doing this. So we're gonna continue to step up our game. Uh, but so I feel like I'm many much as a, a professor who had to pivot onto an online course since I'm a print journalist who now does Zoom journalism. Yeah. Um, but the festival this year, let me stick to that. It's coming up on October 31st and November 1st, half day starting at 1230 Eastern time. And we're excited this year because we've got some bigger uh, names uh, from outside of higher ed. So mostly conversations that the Chronicle's involved with is higher ed talking to itself. Those are vital conversations. Yeah. Yeah. We certainly love the fact that we can bring together different sectors of higher ed. And that's really part of our job too. Um, but in this case, we're really excited to have some folks who are outside of head talk, higher ed who have a deep interest in it talking about it. So I'm referring here to specifically Malcolm Gladwell, the yeah. author, the New York Times bestselling author, podcast extraordinaire, yeah. uh, public intellectual, you might want to call him. He'll be talking about at, at Cronfest. So I'm excited about the, to interview him. But we have a host of other people coming in. Hopefully it will all be great conversations um, that people can join virtually. That's fantastic to hear. And, and I love this idea. And uh, I didn't know it was the second year. That's great. It's good to know. Um, so I really want to dive deep into what's your plan when you're going to talk to Malcolm? What kind of questions? I mean, I mean mm. you can't give everything away. You got, but you want to people let I people keep something back. Yeah, no, I yeah, yeah. Back. Why, why do you shoot people at ten? I mean, you know, let, let's kind of give them a little taste of it. Well, let me say this first, and I uh, I won't give you. I'll give you definitely a taste of it. I also, if anybody wants to, you know, hit me up on my LinkedIn page or yeah. let me know, you know, what questions you want us to ask Malcolm, because that's one of the things we do. If you register, we're allowing folks to. Uh, or actually not just allowing, we're asking folks to send yeah. me questions beforehand because I do want to know what people really are interested in hearing from him. But in terms of, of Malcolm, um, I get to call him Malcolm, I guess, Mr. Gladwell. <laughs> um, I mean, he has been pretty opinionated about his views oh, of yeah. higher education. He's really talked about how it's an area he has found deep interest in. Uh, and so people have probably been aware of some of his podcasts. He just put out an audio book and just another plug for Cronfest. If you register, you'll get a free copy to download his newest audio book, which really is a collection of his podcasts from uh, revisionist history. Um, the name of this what's podcast- the web, what's, what's the website that people should go to for the Cronfest? I want to make sure they got the right, the right website. Cronfest something something.com. Um, <laughs> make sure I get it to you. I love it. I think it, actually, you know, here I'll take, go to chronicle.com, look in the top bar, there's, yeah. a, there's, a, there's a spot right there for it. That's probably the easiest way to find out what you're looking for. But I appreciate that question, Elvin. I should be better that's on my great. promotional. Yeah, it's, that's great stuff. Don't worry about it. So we'll continue. You were saying about- uh, Oh, yeah. So Malcolm, podcast. he's got the, so he's got this audio book out that just came out. This is part of the reasons he's joining us, right, to be honest. He's uh, plugging this book, just like I'm yeah. plugging Cronfest. But he the name of the book is, uh, or the series of podcasts really that's been collected into an audio book is uh, why I hate, or I hate the Ivy League. Yeah, no, yeah. So this guy's got opinions. We know he's got opinions. And most of his opinions are very focused on selective elite colleges, mm -hmm. which obviously I would say is somewhat of an easy target, somewhat of a fair target. Uh -huh. um, Malcolm comes from, interestingly enough, he comes from, he's from Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, his experience of applying to college is drastically different than the American one. And he finds sort of coming from this outsider perspective, which I do find valuable, and refreshing is just sort of interesting, you know, almost like a uh, foreign correspondent coming to look at American higher education. And he talks about that, how strange the admissions process is to him, how bizarre the uh, 
um, the sort of way that most Americans wear their college on their sleeve in the sense of literally like they have it on their, <laughs> they have swag yeah, and they love their teams and all this stuff that he kind of finds sort of interesting, but also maybe to this larger point, Malcolm talks about um, how much talent America leaves on the table. And mm -hmm. what he means by that is how many um, super smart, super resilient, uh, super uh, potential kids with a lot of potential. And I think everyone in higher ed knows this. Yeah. Don't get to go. Get, don't get into. Don't even get access to higher education. Mm -hmm. um, and so those are some things we're going to explore. And I, you know, I definitely want to talk to him what he thinks is wrong about higher ed. But I definitely want to ask him, hey, what's it doing right? Because I don't want to sit there and, and just explore the the problems over and over again. Um, I also want to try and hold, we'll see how this goes, try and, because uh, it's going to be challenging, hold his feet to the fire a little bit when it comes to, hey, you talk a lot about elite higher education, but there's a whole system here. Oh. Um, and other people have pointed this out, not just me, certainly, but there is a whole well uh, system, uh, a well-grown system of community colleges. Mm -hmm. um, he certainly has explored HBCUs, but in other places. So he's, he's certainly aware of that, but I want to talk a little bit about that, like the underplayed part of higher education that is probably... Um, that functions well. It certainly has its other issues, but you know, let's not just focus on the Ivy League as being the place. Because I think that too much um, ink gets spilled, too much podcast focus on that, too much stuff gets picked on yeah. like those places. And they're, they're sort of again easy to pick on, and they're sort of the rarefied air uh, for those places. Um, so that's my hope is to kind of have a broader conversation about what the system needs to do and to improve, and also given our audience, hey, what would you say to? college leaders, what can they do to, to improve themselves? What can they do to help build public trust in this country? And that's a big part of it too. Mm -hmm. um, public trust in higher, ed, higher education is, is dropping. People feel, feel like the value of a higher education degree is dropping. What can they do to kind of help supplement that? Yeah, we talk a lot about that on the pod. Uh, Joe talks about value of education. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. I was going to ask you to, to definitely get his thoughts on that because I'd be curious. I'm sure a lot of people would too. So uh, obviously, I'd love to know, you know his thoughts on the future of higher ed, which I'm going to ask you at the end later oh on. Boy. <laughs> so, um, so who else is going to be there? Kind of go, uh, run us through some other folks and some topics that are going to be covered during the contest. Yeah, I appreciate Elvin the, the opportunity to talk a little bit about that. And I'll talk about probably, uh, you know, I encourage everybody to look at the who we've got lined up. We've got a couple other university presidents. We've got a couple other people uh, who authors, but, um, you know, I'm really excited, especially on the first day. So Malcolm's talking on November 1st, on the first day, October 31st, just a coincidence. It's Halloween, um, <laughs> spooky higher ed talk, but you know, we're going to focus that day on, on, on what students, what students need. Um, and part of that is, Hey, what do they need on campus? Certainly in terms of student support services, uh, I'm sure mental health issues will come up because that's a yes, big one right now. One, yeah. mm -hmm. We'll certainly talk about, hey, how can we better their career outcomes, especially when there's so many alternative providers of education. And certainly again, back to this question of the value of the, the bachelor's degree or even an associate's degree when yeah. some places are saying, hey, we don't need that as an employer. We don't need to look for that. Um, but at the end of the day, and maybe this is more, this is symbolic in a way, but it's gonna be substantive too. Um, I might have a, one of our reporters is interviewing two students. So I'm giving the final say on the, in that first day to two students, yeah. certainly two students who are outspoken. We've talked to before, but they kind of, you know, broadly represent, I hope, um, the chance to talk about, hey, what do students really think? What are they really asking? So again, I, I like the fact that on this day when we're having some really uh, big speakers, again, some college presidents, um, the president of Temple University speaking, the president of the University of Washington speaking, that's great. Um, but at the end of the day, we're going to have two students who are going to say, hey, here, here's what I heard that I find that resonates with me. 
Um, so that's something I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited particularly about. Um, and then on the second day, there's another, a couple other conversations. We've got a, a conversation with some scientists about what it's like to communicate research in a time of misinformation and public distrust. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I think that's obviously re relevant coming out of the yeah. pandemic and what we experienced there. Um, and then we're actually gonna have another author, similar to, to Malcolm, another person who's been critiquing higher ed from the outside, and that's Will Bunch. He's a, mm -hmm. um, he's a uh, columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer. He wrote a book um, about sort of uh, after the Ivy League fall, or excuse me, after the Ivory Tower falls. Um, and he's talking there kind of like what some of, he feels like that higher education has contributed to some of the divisions in this country politically and, and yep. uh, in our society. But again, similar to that conversation with um, I'll have with Malcolm, we're gonna try and turn that towards like, hey, what can we do about it? And uh, not just talk about what the problems is. And, and the great thing there I think is, and Will I know is excited about this, uh, having talked to him, is we're gonna put him in a conversation with another college president and that's uh, Ruth Simmons, the president of oh, yeah. Prairie View A&M, yeah, yeah. uh, an HBCU in, in Texas, yeah. but also the former president of Brown University. Um, so someone who's been at different types of institutions and knowing Ruth, she's going to push him on some things too, I hope, uh, mm -hmm. and say, hey, I, you know, and critique his critique, um, because I think she's been on the ground working to build uh, education and democracy in its own way uh, all, uh, through different institutions she's been at. So there's some of the, the things I'm excited by. But again, you know, and we're also going to have, try and get the audience involved. We're going to have some polls, we're going to have some Q&A. Yeah. Um, and so we hope to hear from the audience as well about what they want to gain from these conversations too. Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education by Kate Colbert and Joe Salustio with contributions by Elvin Freitas is now available for pre-order on Amazon. Get your Kindle edition or your softbound book. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, that's great. And it's a great opportunity for them to contact you via LinkedIn. It's Ian, I-A-N, Rohan, W-I-L-H-E-M. Right? W-I-L-H-E-L-M. Yeah. E -L -M, sorry. E -L -M, got it at uh, no LinkedIn. So make sure uh, you hit them up and ask them questions. And so sounds like uh, you kind of covered why people should attend. So now the question is, after this event, hmm. what do you want people to be talking about? What at the hmm. water cooler or the virtual water cooler? Oh, I went to the Cronfest and I got this. This is amazing. This is great. What, what do you want them to take away? That's a great question. I, I, I feel like what I want them to take away is, is, is an ability to have taken a step back from their roles. As you well know, like so many folks are focused on whether it's the fire they got to put out that day or that issue <laughs> yep. they got to deal with that day, yeah, yeah, yeah. whether they're in, in they're a faculty member, whether they're in student affairs, whether they're in the, um, the dean's office and some other, I'm mean, just so many different roles, right? And so many different things to focus on. They, they get a chance to step back and kind of say, okay, this is where higher education is. So I've got a little glimpse of the future and they keep that conversation going a little bit. Um, I do hope that we are engendering, and we at the Chronicle are thinking more about, very similar to you all have been thinking about, is, is what role can we play, but what, how can we deepen our coverage of this loss of public trust in higher ed yes. and what it takes to reclaim it. Um, it's a very difficult issue because it deals with costs and student debt is a part of that. It deals with, certainly on the right, it has other implications because there's concerns about the, the, the curriculum, right? Um, and so it, it's, 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 it's a very widespread, but we, we can hear this continually from college presidents about the concern that in their conversations with state legislatures, it has changed dramatically in the last few years. Yeah. Um, and with the public in general and some folks seeing, again, families thinking, hey, and students thinking, hey, is this really valuable to us? Uh, what is the ultimate value given the cost of it? So I hope there's this broader conversation going on 
uh, that people will walk away from Cronfest feeling and thinking about, but I, I hope they don't just feel like, again, that there are these issues that are too hard to overcome, that we've given them a sliver. I'm not saying we're gonna give them the solution because that's yeah. too, uh, too much, but there's a sliver of, hey, that's an interesting idea. Let me try that, let me adapt that to my campus. Yeah. Or that's a, that's a different way of thinking about an issue. Let me, hopefully we can do something about that uh, within our local community because you can't solve the national issue. All these issues have to be solved at the community level, I imagine, when it comes to rebuilding the trust between uh, your higher education institution and your, your local community. You're not going to change the country immediately. It's going to take that one step at a time. So I hope that's something that we can give people uh, and they walk away with. And I hope they will come back to us and say, hey, you know, um, also, hey, we love this and we didn't love that. I hope we wanted more of X. Um, I'm happy to hear that too, because we're, uh, we're trying to figure this out too, in terms of what this festival can be and how it can both celebrate and also help higher education think about itself. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I don't have the sound effects, but if I did, I'd hit the button that says, amazing that's a i know exactly I, <laughs> please add that in so my kids can listen and enjoy the <laughs> amazing exactly so we love that one okay that's fantastic um so i want to make sure we cover a couple more things before we finish up so first of all is the event free is it going to be recorded can people get it access afterward i mean how does that all work the logistics elvin i do appreciate that uh yeah i know and i should mention that uh that this is free you know so the chronicle itself i'm just going to tell uh, we're a subscriber only publication you can get a couple articles for free if you become, you know, if you give us your information. This in the case, we are, uh, the events are free, so anyone can join. I'm just gonna be candid with you. We do have some sponsors, so yep, expect to yep. get a mark. Expect to get a marketing email, so it's free for your in exchange for your information. But at the same time, those sponsors have been very helpful, and they do have some sessions there, which will be not commercials, but talking about the issues. That's right. Um, in this case, it's Workday in Adobe, so plug. Mm -hmm. um, so, but it is free, uh, and for anyone to join. Um, and sorry, what was your other question? Like, it's going to be recorded. Can they access yes. after the fact? Yes, can thank you. Yeah, I don't expect necessarily everybody can spend half a day not working, no. listening to Cronfest. So, yeah, no, so it's going to be uh, all recorded. So anybody who signs up will get the on-demand version of it, and then they and we will actually after that we'll make it more convenient. So it's basically it's like one long day of a Zoom session. Practically, you're not yeah. going to want to skip around three hours of that. So we do actually edit the video, and so you can go to the specific session you want to watch watch that session. If you want to just watch, if you're only interested in watching me and Malcolm talk, yeah. go to that session, just watch that later on afterwards. Um, obviously, again, if you register, you'll get all that information. And also, we'll be providing folks with additional resources, not just you know links to Chronicle articles, links to some things, but we're, one cool thing we're doing this year is uh, we've hired a company that will do live note-taking. And oh. when I say live note-taking, it's actually really like these cool illustrations. Yeah. Um, I don't want to call it doodling because that gives it kind of a sense of like you're, yeah. you're kind of, um, you know, you're doing something you shouldn't be doing in, in your class time. Or something. <laughs> but it's yeah. cool the illustration about what the conversation is. So you can kind of um, look That's back and we'll provide this to everybody afterward, but they can look back and, and remember the conversation, have some sort of touch point yeah. uh, for these conversations. So it's a, it's a nice illustration. It's like I said, it's, it's engaging, um, but it's one other piece that we're hoping that people will um, find valuable coming out of the, out of the festival. Well, that sounds super interesting. I'd love to see how that plays out. That's fine. So they're illustrating the conversation live and then it'll still be part of the on-demand as well. There's going to be that component with all written. Yeah, let, let me explain that. So it, they will be illustrating it live. Actually, there, there's some versions of this where you can actually have them on camera and you can see them illustrating it live. And we will feature them at some point if we get time. It really depends yeah. on how the, the day goes. But in the past, we've done this. We've talked to the illustrator for a few minutes just to see yeah. what they're going to show people. But we will send the PDFs out. So they actually, people can actually have the... the um, they don't have to go to the recording to look at it. No, it will be actually in the, the we'll send it out separately as a PDF. And so they can see from each session 
uh, hey, if there's a session they found really engaging, they want to, there's some ideas there, but they've kind of forgotten them. Oh, let me look at this, you yeah. know, this, this graphic illustration, this graphic note-taking, uh, and maybe that can help spark their ideas. Maybe they can share it with some colleagues. Um, I certainly hope that. That, you know, back to your point about what I hope people would walk away from, I would love it. If, like you said earlier, uh, where people shared Chronicle articles, yeah. Uh, if this is something that people, hey, I really had this one conversation I heard this one person talk about the career services and how it needs to change, for mm -hmm. example, and that's really something I'm focused on in my position at the or at the, in my college. Mm -hmm. I hope I share that, right? The note taking or the session itself um, will certainly encourage folks to do that uh, and to share it around because I think that's where uh, we might get some traction, some new ideas might come up. Yeah, it sounds like a really badass professional development opportunity. That's what I can think. <laughs> I would want that was the tagline I wanted to go with, but instead we went with the the ideas shaping higher ed. I, I don't think my boss was going to go for badass, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I would hope and I would encourage you know higher leaders to let their um, team know about this and say, you know what, this is something that's important. You should be attending this. You should get a lot of notes and takeaways, and then let's go back and let's meet together and see what we can do with the information to move forward. So Alvin, I, I, I appreciate that. Just to say that last year we did have someone, do, we, we found out from an institution that they did that. They had people listen oh, in great. and just one institution. I would love it if this became a thing, but they had yeah, one institution. Yeah. You know, I was really excited to hear that, right? Because that's exactly right. They, they said, well, we all listened in and we all came back together to talk about what we heard. And, you know, yeah. if we, I, I wish there was a way that Chronicle had the capacity to kind of help with that, yeah. you know, across the country. But to your point, that's, that would be the ultimate, that's a great goal. Uh, yeah. I realize not everyone can do that given their workloads and things like yeah. that. And everyone's burned out too. But I would hope we, we, we because we, again, we hope that something you can take away, but also hope you can inspire you as well and you're in, in the work too. Because um, I think that would be great. Um, I'm yeah. not going to say I hope that happens again this year. That's awesome. Amazing. All right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So let, let's wrap up real quick. So let's talk our last two questions. This has been great, great. by the way. I appreciate it. So what have we not covered? We covered a lot, a short amount of time, but I think it felt like we covered a lot. Is there anything that we haven't covered for Cronfest about the Chronicle in general? What do you guys got going on in the future? Uh, Cronfest 2023, whatever you want to talk about, anything that we can cover. And the last question I have for you, which I'm very curious to hear because I know you have a lot of information, mm -hmm. inside information and access to a lot of different people in higher ed, is what do you see as the future of higher education? Oh, uh, I'll see how long I can uh, delay until I have to answer that big question. <laughs> um, in terms of you know the the Chronicle, I really appreciate that question. I mean, outside of Cronfest, I just encourage folks to check out our other virtual. Um, uh, I'm calling them virtual forums. So these are sort of more of our bread and butter. We're doing more of these each week. I'm really um, again, uh, just like everybody else, I had to make my own sort of pivot to Zoom mm -hmm. back when the the. Uh, pandemic started, we're continuing those, we're finding people uh, that people have enjoyed them, we have a good audience for them for the most part. Um, but a new people, you know, can check them out. Um, but again, back to your point, I want this to be a two way conversation. So if there's things that we're missing in our coverage, uh, if there's a type of virtual event you think we should do, if there's a guest you think we should have. Um, but again, uh, you know, if there's something we should be covering or something we should be covering better, our door is always open. Um, I feel like we're a little, we've tried to get better at this, we're not perfect about it, but you know, my LinkedIn is open. Or if there's other ways to get in contact with folks at the Chronicle, you can get me. My email is ian.wilhelm at chronicle.com. Let me know what you want me to talk to Malcolm about, but also let me know, again, what, what issues uh, you think we should be covering. I think that's it's just more we can hear from our audience, the better. Um, I think that's always the point. I think sometimes the Chronicle can feel like it's a distant thing, mm -hmm. um, uh, but uh, we don't want to be that. We want to make sure we're, we're reflecting what folks are interested in. That's great. And the future of higher education. I'm not going to let you get away without. I know. You, you, you're trying to dodge it. Well done. 
I, I gotta, you know, I want to, I have to make sure I'm not, I'm, I'm not expressing my own opinions. Uh, yes, but, I, but it is the key question, right? What is it? And what is it after this pandemic? Everyone's talked about the pandemic as this accelerant mm -hmm. uh, for online education, for yeah. different types of, of teaching, um, for certainly changing how campus services may work, when they, especially when engaging with students. We've heard it across the board. Uh, and of course, accelerant in terms of, of, of thinking more people think about work-life balance. At the flip side, you've got this whole thing or it just means so many people have been burnt out. Yeah. Um, so how do you as a campus leader continue to kind of push changes that you think are really, really important or necessary um, and, and, you know, for the life of your institution at the same time that you know your staff, your faculty are, have just faced too much uh, yeah. in the last year. So I think that's one of the key things. That's really a near-term challenge for higher education. Um, and going forward, I do think you're going to see these... these um, you know, uh, a split between those institutions that have been able to use the pandemic as something of an accelerant and, and, and increase. And we've seen this reflect in some of our surveys where a bunch of people said it made us more resilient in, in admissions. And it doesn't necessarily mean their enrollment is up, but they feel like they've had, they've had to force conversations about how they do different recruiting, especially given the demographic changes in this country. Mm -hmm. It forced them to change how to think about online teaching and perhaps embrace it more and as a possible, certainly as a revenue model but also do more. So you see these places have said, hey, and at least splits along 50%, hey, we've done a great job. We've been able to have more conversations. We're not in our, stuck in our silos as much. And so we're gonna move forward with that. With that. So there's a little bit of those, let's call those the haves. They've been able to become more resilient. Yeah. And you got a 50% saying, hey, it, it didn't make us resilient. It fractured us. It yeah. showed us where the fault lines were and we're not able to, to cover them up. And we really feel like we're just stumbling along here in, in the dark, not able to take advantage of this accelerant that that COVID talk. So I, I unfortunately, I, I don't think that doesn't mean, I'm not sure that convinces me that there are going to be this mash closures that some people have predicted for many uh, for a while. Yeah. But I do think you're going to see a little some more closures. I do think you're going to see a lot more mergers. Oh, frankly, yeah. I, I'd say I'm surprised I haven't seen as more uh, going on. And I think there are, you know, there are probably more talks going on, certainly we have no idea, understandably. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's one of the big things. I think there are going to be, you're going to see these sort of dividing lines. Um, I think that's going to be a big part of it. I think part of it, obviously, is going to be where technology plays the biggest role. The places that embrace technology in a way that makes sense for them and has this so-called digital transformation that people have been talking about for a long time, but seems never to have been here. But now, apparently, is kind of here. At least the whole campus is talking about it in a different way. Um, and then I can't even venture to talk about the um, where the societal questions are. Uh, in terms of where the politics go with, in higher education. I just think the, the challenge for college presidents and other folks who feel like they're under the gun from their state legislators, from national uh, folks, and these, you know, these conversations, how the campus has now become part of the culture wars, just puts a lot of people in. And I do think you're going to have a continued turnover in the, in the presidents, in the shorter terms in, in the president space. Um, we've heard anecdotally, again, some folks saying, hey, it's just not worth being a public university president these days. No. Um, it's too hard. It's too contentious. We saw something that happened at Michigan just mm -hmm. this week. Um, obviously, very different. That was an internal debate. I want to be careful here and, and not uh, put every paint everything as a, as who brought a brush. But I think that's going to be um, turnover in the in the college presidency. I think it's going to be continue to be uh, a big thing, which leads back to transformation. Uh, yeah. You may have been able to accelerate, but if you don't have the leadership that, that sticks around to make sure those changes stick. Um, those institutions won't survive and they may fall back, you know, toward, uh, fall back farther behind their peers. So I guess I just see sort of challenges ahead, but um, I don't want to end on that note because I feel like uh, there's some smarter folks than me. If you've ever interviewed Brian Alexander, who's a futurist, 
mm-hmm. writes about higher education. Brian, you know, talks about some several different futures of higher education. I think he's right. It's always not one path, mm-hmm. right? It's several different futures. And uh, I, I do look to him for those big thinking about the future. And um, there are really some opportunities too in online education as people start to embrace that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'll li- listen to that note of a note of optimism. So the cynical journalist in me doesn't have to take over uh, <laughs> and say, uh, you know, and hopefully again, at the, some inspiring things out there. Certainly when I hear your story about the Chronicle and things like that. That's helpful too. Yeah, yeah. No, it's funny because uh, I'm not sure if you know, but we're writing a book, the commencement, the beginning of mm-hmm. higher education, where we interviewed, you know, over 100 college university presidents and, and the future is bright. It's extremely bright for higher education. And a lot of the things that you touched upon, is actually going to be in the book, uh, so Kate Colbert and Joe Salustio and I'm doing some contributions they're putting it together, but uh, we're up to like a few chapters now. And, and it's funny, a lot of things that you mentioned, it's really interesting, a lot of partnering up, leadership, where's the new leadership gonna come from, turnover, but it, it's all bright in the end. And so um, I appreciate your, your feedback. Yeah, I mean, Lane, I wanna think when I'm, I'm excited to see uh, when that book comes out, I definitely wanna get a copy. But the other thing is, is to your point, in these surveys we've asked, uh, hey, we've had time and time again, people saying, I'm worried about higher ed, my enrollment is down, my retention is down, but I'm optimistic yes. that my institution <laughs> is either figuring it out or has yeah. figured or is figuring it out. Yeah. And that that really and that struck me as being odd, but of course that's what they feel like because they're impassioned people. They're and, and people who are are done in this this area of work for a reason. Um, and so of course, uh, optimism still runs eternal, um, and it should. because yeah. um, it's not just all doom and gloom. And so I, I appreciate that what you said, and I'm curious about you what you all are finding there. And we'll uh, we'll switch we'll switch tables here at some point. Maybe we'll interview you all for the chronicle. <laughs> you're on, you're on, Ian. This has been this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. We really appreciate it. So once again, we're gonna go to uh, chronicle.com, right? The chronicle.com. Yeah. Okay, chronicle.com. Ian Wilhelm at uh, LinkedIn, and we'll get you connected, and then ask you some questions for Malcolm. And that's gonna be October 31st. It starts. It goes until the November 1st, right? The- yeah, just two days for virtual. Yeah. Yeah, virtual online is free. It's going to be recorded. Just sign up. Uh, it sounds like an awesome opportunity to really learn some uh, what's going on in higher ed. So I'm very excited about that. So thank you so much for your time. I, I appreciate it, Ian. How has your ed up experience been so far? It's great. I'm glad to be now one of the ed uppers. Uh, I think I can say that. Uh, I'm sorry I didn't get more of the next time I come back. I got to promise me some uh, some, some special uh, uh, yeah. audio effects. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well done. It's, it's going to happen. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, you just ed up. Commencement The Beginning of a New Era in Higher Education by Kate Colbert and Joe Salustio with contributions by Elvin Freitas is now available for pre-order on Amazon. Get your Kindle edition or your softbound book. It's going to be amazing.